We've been ambushed by pornography. Hi, this is Karen Broadhead, director of Mothers Who Know. Are you or your loved ones experiencing the fallout? All of our families are navigating this uncertain territory. This enlightening series is dedicated to breaking the chains of pornography. Get ready to harness game-changing truths and tools for you and those you love. Special guest presenters with time in the trenches will courageously share experiences on the front lines along with powerful messages of hope. Thanks for joining us. Welcome and thanks for being here. This is the Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast series. We're so grateful that you would take your time to listen and hope that you'll share this with your friends and family. I'm here today with my friend Adam Clark. Not only do I have a great respect for Adam, I love the example that he is in my life. The beautiful spirit he has. It's obvious to me, he feels called, called to serve. And even after he grew a foot or two, like, you know, the whole missionary song. I hope they call me on a mission. You know, when I've grown a foot or two, I hope by then I'll be ready to teach and preach, you know, and serve people just, you know, the way missionaries do. That's really why I wanted to do this podcast. I've already done a podcast with Adam before, but he and I were talking recently and I, we both were like, other people need to understand this because I was telling him I'm so greatly concerned with how many mothers I speak to and parents that I counsel with as a parent support specialist for some, for several years now at Life Changing Services. I'll get notes from mothers as their sons are about to come home from their missions saying, oh, wow, I'm, I'm getting nervous, I'm getting worried. I wonder how to approach this. Do you have any advice for me? Or I get meetings with moms whose sons have come home from missions and they are just so sad and don't understand how could we have worked so hard and now we're in this place and my son is feeling so withdrawn from the experience he had on a mission now he's here home and feeling like now i'm at the bottom of the pit how did i even get here after that after i fought so hard got on a mission was amazing and then came home and now i can't even get him to consider coming back to group and he's thinking his whole mission was a lie uh, that maybe I don't believe in the church. Maybe I'm just going to go try something new for fun. Anyway, it's just a lot of trauma. And so Adam and I got to talking and, and I've always loved what Adam did after his mission. In fact, this is how I found out what he did. I'm at our office. Usually I'm working from home, but I'm at our office in Farmington, Utah. And in walks Adam with these crazy pants on. And he's got these crazy <laughs> pants on. And I'm like, I know that guy. He looks so different. Like he looks so much thinner, kind of taller, older, <laughs> more manly. That's that's Adam. I knew him before his mission and his face is cleared up. I mean, this guy, he he looks different. And so I'm like, Adam, what are you doing? And he goes, Well, I just got off my mission. Like a day ago, two days ago, I don't know, it was, here I am. I'm just here to report for duty. He had no idea what 
he was going to do. He just knew I'm mm -hmm. here because I know who the adversary is and I know that I want to protect myself from this vulnerable place. And so I've made a plan. This is my plan. And I said, let's do a podcast <laughs> so other people can hear how important this is. Awesome. So, I forgot about the pants. <laughs> so tell them why you were wearing such yeah. funny pants. They, they were parachute pants. I uh, uh, just I went to my mission to France, and they're just pants that like are almost like a skirt, but they go all the way down. Like the crotches were like in mid calf, so yeah. they're just super comfortable. You can like do the splits if you can, and uh, it's just it's just funny. They're just like really loose, and it, it was fun pants. And I thought that would be a fun. Uh, thing to wear to group for the first time. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, in case people have missed your last podcast, tell us a little bit about the role you play here at Life Change Services and when you came off your mission, how long you've been at it, and how much experience you've gained, and even a greater testimony, not just your personal one that you were thinking you knew when you came home. <laughs> now you have more evidence. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, I just really quick spark notes of my story. I graduated from the program in 2013. I left on my mission almost a year later, so 11 months later in uh, 2014, uh, November or October. And then I uh, came home from my mission at the middle of September 2000. Um, 16 so right now it's 2019 that was almost three years ago wow um i, I feel kind of gypped because uh, they tell you two years but it's actually like if you're foreign mission speaking it was like three weeks less than two years um <laughs> but yeah so uh, i'm excited to be here today um really my goal is to I, I love doing these podcasts because my role right now is a personal warrior trainer so i meet with over 50 guys a week and half hour sessions, helping them with manpower and uh, preparing for other border patrol to be able to be better ready for group and for the battle that they'll be facing. Um, I love these podcasts for the reason, because I notice that I repeat myself a lot when I'm meeting with different guys, because they, even though they have different stories, the, the, oftentimes there's several solutions just out of your bag of tricks or whatever that can apply to them directly. So that's why I love this podcast. So then I can just share this with them pre-recorded. Uh, then I, I repeat myself less <laughs> with this. And then hopefully this will be able to reach more people because I don't meet with everybody. What I want to do today really is talk about the mission and the battle. Uh, the mission meaning like serving either a proselyting or a service mission. Either way, you're wearing a name tag and you're called of God. And then also uh, when you have the battle leading up to the mission, post, uh, during the mission, and post-mission. I've seen people have battles all in all three of those areas and win them and lose them. And I just want to share my story, my experience, what I did, revelations I've had that helped me to be able to win battles in all three of those areas. I haven't lost ever since. I've been winning ever since I've graduated. Um, Sons of Helaman. So I just want to share that so that people know that it's possible and then also there's a, it's possible to recover from any lost battle wait stop did you just say that you haven't lost any battles since you graduated sons of healing that is correct i graduated over six almost six years ago and so 
that was in November that I graduated. So yeah, it's been three months back from that. Yeah, I've, it's been six years now. And I haven't lost battles to Mr. P or Mr. M. Of course, we all have personal battles that uh, if I haven't lost any battle, then I wouldn't, of any kind, I wouldn't be. Right. And so when you say, so of course you, you're losing, you know, battles on the battlefront of human experience and trying to, to master yourself in all different kinds of ways of your life, but specifically as it relates to sense of human and sexual self-mastery, you have not lost any battles to pornography or masturbation for that That is correct. And you know what? That's so awesome. And really, I feel to congratulate you, but I also feel I'm thinking about what everybody else in podcast land is thinking. Shut the (laughs) front door. Are you serious? Like, how did he do that? But also, okay, I'm just going to stop listening to this podcast right now because this guy doesn't even relate to me. (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? Like, because I, I still am struggling or, oh, that makes me feel so bad as a dad or a mom listening to this because my son is the missionary. He's a return missionary and we are in a tough place. Uh, so really like because of your experience winning battles, I'm sure you've had, you know, you're still tempted. Of course. And you still are vulnerable, but you have been hyper vigilant and have a testimony of the principles that keep you safe. Yes. Okay. And that's really understanding that personal chemistry thing. Mm-hmm. So keeping, just keeping in mind talking to those moms or, or dads or young men who of course have had lost battles after they thought that they would never have any lost battles again. Uh, don't, don't compare yourself to other people. That's one of Satan's attacks to slow people down. And also another thing I share with people is I, I was lucky enough to catch this battle early on. So it wasn't a full-fledged, deep, enthralled life-altering addiction. It was more of an extremely bad habit bordering on that part. So I always make a reference of the level of intensity of your battles is directly affiliated with how much of a threat you are to Satan. So I, speaking to this person who's sitting there feeling deeply dark in a hole that they lost a battle, look at me. I had this battle. I overcome it. Sometimes I think it's I had it easier than other people and working with a personal warrior trainer. But I see that they have a lot more potential than I have. Right now I'm meeting with over 50 guys a week. I'm helping them out. I'm recording podcasts. I'm organizing events for life-changing services to help serve more people, reach the masses. And I just had this level of battle. Imagine what your potential is if you have this higher level of battle. You have a bigger target on your back. You're a bigger threat. You can do more amazing things. That's Um, awesome. I'm kind of jealous of you then. (laughs) (laughs) And you're, you're married, you got married, and you have a, a cute little sweet baby girl. I do. She's awesome. Um, she's amazing. So those are all blessings that I've had, um, really, from winning. It was complete life-altering, uh, what I had, taking this new path of joining Sons of Helaman and winning. 
So I want to talk uh, about before the mission first for people. But this is most of the people that are in Sons of Helaman, they're pre-mission. Um, I don't know the percentages, but a lot of the young men I meet with are 18 just graduating high school or about to graduate high school. Sometimes they're seniors or sophomores in high school and they're having this battle and they want to complete it so they can go on their mission so that there's no judgment from other people like, why haven't you gone on your mission yet? Or are you going? All that happens. I was just going to say, and uh, we put a lot, we put a, we put a lot of eggs in that basket, don't we? Yes. I just, I just want to point out that really culturally in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we truly put a lot of eggs in that basket. And whether you reach that goal or not can define whether we're successful or not. And it is amazing to consider. The real goal is our Melchizedek priesthood, right? And then receiving our endowment, being worthy to go to the temple, and really moms and dads, we get super caught up on and put so much pressure behind the mission when really the goal is it, we're, we're trying to reach the gift, the gift of the next saving ordinance, not the mission. I, that reminds me of what church leaders have said. A mission is not a saving ordinance going to the temple is, being married and sealed is. A mission is not necessary for salvation. It certainly helps though. (laughs) So many women, I know so many mothers, want their sons to go on missions because they think it's a thing that's going to turn them into a man, that's going to help them start thinking straight, that's going to get them on the right path. If they don't go on a mission, what will launch them? Mm-hmm. So they, we yeah. kind of depend on, we got to get to a mission because we need to be launched. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? so. Yeah. So, and then for those young men who are not on missions, it is definitely okay in the fact that you're not going right when your friends are going. I left about 18 months after I graduated from high school. I graduated 2013 in May and didn't leave till 2014, October. Yeah, and can I say I had two sons, two sons, I have three sons total, but two sons who had to delay their missions, and I, my third son now is trying to decide if he should serve the traditional, go on a mission for two years away from home and, and go proselyting out and about, or if it's better for him to serve a service mission because he got his call in. Mm-hmm. Call can't be extended until he gets a medical release. So just trying to figure out, would it be wise for me to go do this thing I've always dreamed of doing because I'm in this place medically, perhaps a service mission might be better. So right now he's trying to figure that out. Yeah, that is a really hard decision. Um, I've seen a lot of people go through just like a mission mission is not a saving ordinance a proselyting mission is not worthy of more blessings or accolades than a service mission God can use you wherever you're at if your heart says here I am Lord send me 
<laughs> exactly. You mentioned that you'd come home uh, or that you hadn't left for yeah. this long. Okay. Yes. So uh, counsel that I have for, mission, for young men preparing to go on their mission, uh, just a heads up, in the church handbook, um, there is no official written uh, level of worthiness as far as Mr. P and Mr. M battles go for going on a mission. There is no, it's not written anywhere that a certain number of days must be reached in order to attain worthiness. That is always between the young man, the bishop, and um, the Lord, and also the state president. So really what I encourage young men to do is to seek out their bishop and come up with a game plan. This is what I did. We, we both received revelation that it was necessary to have a certain number of days um, before we submitted my papers. For me, it was six months to have that in. So I had a countdown. I counted it down exactly when that day is going to be. Um, so I had something to look forward to. I did have a, one last battle during that time. That's why it I, when I got to 10 weeks, that's why I got pushed back farther. So that really made my parents nervous because now I'm not going for six mo more months, but I feel I really needed that. I was able to really accomplish that and go on that mission. Um, I've also seen people have their missions postponed um, for other reasons such as that. And so what I've noticed is having a countdown is extremely helpful. The addict brain needs to know exactly when it is. If it's vague, they will find justification. And so good. Could I just share some, I feel impressed to share one of my sons, um, you know, it's like, well, no, the bishop, the stake president, you know, let's set up some more uh, goals and make sure you're really ready and get worthy. And the first one was, well, we think my son thought okay i think i'm here i think i'm ready and they said no not quite ready so i'm like like your parents thinking oh man oh man is he ever gonna can we are we gonna you know and um then he said then he they say okay clearance you're good to go and my son i about died when he did this because i had so many eggs in that basket right uh, he he said, nope, <laughs> I, I don't think I can go yet because there's some things that I have to take care of that I need to feel 100% ready and worthy. And some of them were apologies he needed to extend to people. Uh, some of them were just really thinking, now, now I need to approve myself to get on a mission. And, you know, it wasn't a super long time, but it was long enough that I was about ready to, you know, <laughs> jump out of my skin. I was like, this is going to make me go crazy. Because <laughs> when he said, uh, I told him, no, let's wait this much longer. After he was cleared, I was like, you did, huh? Why did you do that? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think as parents, <laughs> as parents, our sons and daughters are noble enough and valiant enough and have been prepared for this intensity of temperature that the opposition throws at us and yeah they're going to have some wounds they're going to be pretty pretty wise by the time they get out to their goals and they have 
plenty of things that they've figured out. But for us to, you know, to not trust their own personal revelation, that mm -hmm. is a mistake. So I actually had that or something similar. Uh, my bishop and mom were ready to put in my papers when I was five months clean and winning. And I felt like, no, let's wait for six months. They said six months. <laughs> so uh, that was a little shock to both of them. But then uh, just a month later, I was able to put in my papers. So that was awesome. And then in preparing for a mission, um, a young man should be doing manpower and daily drills because that helps with preparing for the mission. Uh, we need structure to go on our mission. We need structure to be able to win. So that manpower helps provide that. On your mission, you will have a great deal of structure. I've interviewed several young men who have not been doing their manpower, but they've been winning and they're ready to go on their mission. So we talk about this and we do use the spirit of prophecy to identify, since you have been winning this battle, about Mr. M and Mr. P, then your main battle now is the battle of finding structure in your life, of getting manpower. Now what will happen when you go on your mission? Structure is handed to you on a silver platter. You have that automatically. That battle's practically won already. So what's the only logical sense for that next battle to be for the other attack for the same to use? Back to Mr. M and Mr. P. So that's why if you master that structure beforehand, then you still have that running for you. Um, I've heard stories of missionaries having lost battles on their mission. Uh, I, I tell you this, um, I was completely, I was terrified of having a lost battle after I graduated, either it before, before I left on my mission or even on my mission. So I noticed and identified through personal revelation and working with other people, that the main battle that a missionary has, and today I wanna to talk about tactics, strategies, things that missionaries can use specifically. The main battle that happens to most missionaries who are obedient is they are tempted with night battles with Mr. M. So I noticed that and I did a flagpole drill where I would, every night in the MTC, I would get in bed and then I would pretend to be asleep and then jump out of bed uh, pretending I was attacked, do my flagpole, which was just drop and do 10 push-ups, say a prayer, and then get back in bed. I did that every single night in the MTC after it was time to go to bed. And I feel that's really what helped me to continue to win because I did have night battles after my mission going along. And then another attack that the enemy uses on missionaries is to is mood battles to get the young men upset or discouraged because being away from home is so hard. A mood battle is automatically a level two battle. <laughs> and we're going to five. Like, there's so many people listening to this. They're like, huh? What's he talking about? Level two? Anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's found in the book, like, dragons, did they fight the levels on the chemical scale? So level two is a mood battle. So getting really close to level five. So often that mood battle is expressed with dissatisfaction or annoyance toward your mission companion. So in manpower, um, I've encouraged guys for their end goal, which often stands for minister, some form of service, to have their minister goal be to serve their companion willingly 
every day, one extra service for their companion. Because on your mission, it is so easy to love that complete stranger you're staring at from across the way, uh, to enough to talk to him and go out of your comfort zone and share the gospel with him. But this other young man that you are living with for at least six weeks can be the bane of your existence and so annoying because he puts the toothpaste cap on wrong. <laughs> something like that so if you do a service specifically for him you will find love for him so you will avoid that mood battle by winning it before it even happens yeah i always tell i always tell people that i coach and have students i always say you are never going to have a loss battle without having a mood battle first so, <laughs> i like that so be sure to understand what is a mood battle and what level is that on the chemical scale and how do I win mood battle? Awesome. So on that note, another battle that they have is have receiving lots of flashes. For example, I went to France on my mission and to be frank, modesty is not the same thing there as it is here. Advertisements are on people. So there was a lot of flashes and battles there. So the mind tends to wander if left unchecked. So what I realized and noticed and what the Lord told me was whenever you're having a flash or a battle like that, either a mood battle or just uh, your mind wandering to unclean places battle, that means that Satan is attacking you because somebody is ready to hear their gospel near you. So when that happened, be anxiously engaged in proselyting to those near you. What if somebody who's ready is just only there and as paraphrasing the script, the Lord saying that to the early saints, they suffer in unbelief because they know not where to look. And the enemy is getting you to just have your thoughts wander as you're sitting on that bus staring out the window. And then there's somebody sitting right next to you who's ready to hear the gospel to be anxiously engaged in talking to those people. And even if you don't find them or they're not there, it's still, I feel like a good practice, a good test to be able to find those people. I witness of that, I testify of that. I've seen that happen multiple times. I have a battle, we go contacting like crazy and we find somebody who's ready, just like that. Totally. And I've heard you say so many times, like it's one of the reasons you fight. It's like, seriously, if I know I'm having a battle, like a mood battle, I am really hyper aware that Satan is trying to distract me from something awesome. And I think, what's, what can I do to just hurt that guy? And it has everything to do with ministering on your part. Yes. I cannot stress that enough. You can teach the enemy to leave you alone. The Lamanites at times did not want to go to war against the Nephites because they knew they would lose. They knew it would be painful. Their leaders had to extort and uh, manipulate and twist their arm and poison people by degrees just to get the Lamanites to go to battle, which then they ended up giving up really soon right after that. So you can be just like the Nephites where they're so righteous that the Lord is on their side that they do not want to attack them. A way to punish the enemy for attacking you is doing service. A way to punish the enemy for tempting you is by doing service. Make sure that he knows if you mess with me, you are going down. The 
power in doing that is really it trains the enemy. And this takes several weeks. You need to really train Satan to recognize you can't mess with me because I serve right when you attack me and then I connect with God. I almost tell them it's like tattling on Satan. So if, you, if you're a mom, I don't know if this is correct parenting, but this works in this case. You're driving in the car. The one brother is poking the other brother over and over and over. And then he's like, mom, he's poking me. Well, he's like, what do you do about it? And then he, you slap him back and then he leaves you alone. Right? Um, okay. Kind of in that sense. I don't know if that's correct parenting. I don't endorse that. Um, but it works in this case where you slap the enemy back and tell him like, leave me alone. I'm serious about this. It's not fun. And then you tattle on him by telling God, I just had a battle. This is what I did to win. Thank you for giving me these tools necessary to win. And then you keep being anxiously engaged. So that way you become that person that they always talk about. Once you wake up, the enemy says, crap, he's awake. I hope everybody heard that. That's an excellent thing to notice. It's, it's awesome. So then you're no longer just winning, you're dominating. I like to say, you are messing with the wrong mom. <laughs> you know? And what better way to, to put that in a more structured and this is what that looks like kind of statement than to say, well, whenever I'm mad again that someone didn't put the toilet paper roll on and I'm <laughs> the only person that knows how to do that at my house, do you know what I mean? Instead of just thinking, Ah, believing all the stuff in my head that sounds ridiculous, I could totally know exactly who that is, what that is, and that why would I let that take me off my game as being the mother that he needs to know, you're messing with the wrong mom here. I can totally see you, enemy. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, I, I agree with that. And really, it does take weeks. It does take several weeks of doing that constantly for that to happen. Because the enemy pushes his boundaries. He tests it. Like, how many times can I poke him before he attacks me? Teach him that the lesson is you think about poking me and I attack you. You know? Um, okay. <laughs> still doing your mission. The main attacks that the enemy uses. So we talked about flashes that the enemy uses against you and how, how to win those. Really recognize that. Again, I testify. I witness. That is a sure sign that you are on the edge of greatness, that you're being attacked. The level that you're being attacked determines how great that's going to be. You're not weak. You just have a target on your back. So in doing that to teach the enemy to not attack you, this I firmly believe, I've spent years studying this, this is how Captain Moroni became so righteous that if every man was likened to Captain Moroni, the very foundations of hell would be shaken and Satan would have no power over the hearts of the children of men. So I really testify this is how that power is achieved by punishing the enemy for attacking you and then going to God and telling him what you did and thanking him for that um, power that you have. That comes uh, through him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so, it's so awesome. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So I want to share with you about a prompting I received in the last transfer of my mission. This prompting was 
to, so I, I always had a plan on my mission that I would go back to Sons of Helaman right when, uh, as soon as I could. So I always knew that was a plan. And that was always in the back of my mind helping me to win because I knew I wanted to walk in there as a general, right? as my head held high, knowing that I won. So that was a constant obsession of mine to win. On my mission, I told, I believe, every single one of my companions about my battle, about what my manpower was. I never missed a day of writing in my journal on my mission. And I had my this companion initial the, the corner of the page. And for me, that was personal accountability. It was a tactic I used. I even had a time when I had a trio. So I had two companions at the same time. And it was really funny because they fought over who got to sign my journal. Um, <laughs> One would uh, sign the journal and the other one would snatch it from him and then cross his name out and sign his own name. So uh, it, just thinking about that, if there is an unhealthy level of fear for young men about what if I told my companion that he judged you? He is in, in no place to judge you. He is a missionary as well. Um, every single companion that I told, either they were indifferent or they were in awe. None of them were judgmental or having a negative reaction wow that is cool that you have that yeah you have these goals you write in your journal even when we're um on a train going to a zone conference like what <laughs> you know just having that i feel that really i attribute that to winning and i received most of my personal revelation on my mission by writing in my journal that's excellent and it's so good for a reader to understand that Adam battles in such an awesome Adam way. Like, it's so cool. And he's also noticed that as he shares these principles with the young man that he serves as a personal warrior trainer in the Sons of Helaman program, that it's been, it's also beneficial for them to do it in their Jeremy way, in their Cody way, in their mm -hmm. Kyle way, you know what I mean? It doesn't look exactly like Adam, but just the principle, principle behind what Adam's describing is so good to understand. That's what people look at how other people battle and think, well, I could never do that. I'm not like that. Mm -hmm. The answer is yes, you could do something like that in your, in your way. Because, really? yeah, so good. So. That's one thing, when you meet really awesome people that have studied something and locked it down for them, you think, well, it won't work for me because I can't beat them. Not what we're talking about here. There were times before my mission where I felt like I was a nobody because um, I saw those other generals, how they were winning their battles and they were doing it so much, with so much more finesse and elegance and they were helping so many more people. So, that was a big personal battle that I had as well. I'm not as awesome as them. And on my mission as well, there's the oftentimes mission politics of people being called to serve in leadership positions and things. And then you feel I'm not as awesome as them. But the Lord needed me where I was always. He needs an Adam where, he, where I was. So grow where you are planted. Uh, that's really what it is. And then another thing is accountability is huge on your mission. Tell people about your battles. Uh, I didn't do this, but I don't know why I didn't do this. But I, I, if I would redo my mission, this is one of the things I would do. I'd write home and tell my mom about, hey, I'm still winning my battles. Just like that. Or 
like I've had lots of moms tell me like, oh, my son had a is still winning his battles or he had a lost battle. They have that open communication. Mr. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood says what is mentionable is manageable. If the battle is not mentionable, it's if it's not mentioned, it it cannot in no any way be completely manageable. So if you want a beautiful day in your neighborhood, <laughs> you need you need to mention stuff. Yes. And then even um, Thomas S. Monson in Preach My Gospel in the uh, chapter about managing your time effectively, he says and states, when performance is measured, performance improves. When performance is measured and reported, the rate of improvement accelerates. That's a promise from the prophet of God that if you are accountable, you will see progress. You will do better. Even if your accountability looks like, hello, I'm being accountable and I'm still at a zero. I <laughs> but mean, I did it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm but I'm reporting that with confidence because I it's on my radar. I'm being accountable. People think I only account if I'm awesome. Yeah. Accountability is not about consequence. Accountability is not about that consequence of other people know that I am doing bad, so it's to shame me into performing better. Accountability is not about the positive consequence about I'm doing well, so I'm gonna brag about it. Accountability is about the personal ownership of I am being accountable, I am recognizing my victories, or I'm recognizing uh, my setbacks, and I am owning it. That is what accountability is about. Yeah, so good. And I also like to think for me, accountability is about staying awake because it's so easy for me to forget what I'm even up to. It's so easy <laughs> for me to forget, forget what I care about so deeply and what I'm trying to move toward because I'm human having this experience of what was I doing again? <laughs> There's so many things that I'm trying to do and manage. So accountability really too is keeps us away from that numb dumb drone place where we're just kind of doing whatever we can to manage our life because it's kind of painful when we focus on things i like that okay so now that we're talking about accountability we're on the topic of accountability and how important it is and what accountability really is and taking that that level of responsibility behind it that you mentioned, that's what it's about. It's about being personally responsible. Will you just tell everybody a little bit about the other thing that you are have charge over that provides a service for even the guys who get out on their missions to maintain their accountability in the fight? Yes. Um, so what you're talking about is the Sons of Mosiah program. Um, this is a watered-down version of the Sons of Helaman program uh, that's designed to uh, not disrupt missionaries on their work. All they do is they take five to ten minutes of their email time to respond to a group email with other warriors who are there and they respond to each other's answers and they also we ask, we ask the captain's log questions along with a little tiny lesson depending on the needs of the group and that is huge. Um, it is actually free for generals, and I think it is really sad that a lot of generals don't know about it and don't take advantage of that. 
so if I had known about it before my mission, I would have definitely wanted to sign up because it would just a few minutes of my email time. I'd be able to check in. I'd be able to say what day I'm on, you know, get some validation because I got uh, support from my companions, but it didn't feel the same as support from people who were in the battle because who had that same battle that I had. And that's really the purpose of this. It's connection. It's so amazing to see a young man from Spain reach out and then uh, the next day a young man from um, Brazil had answered him, you know, and then had a support there. Like there's no way those two would have connected otherwise. Mm. And just being able to wow. get that. And then also there are battles that young men have on their missions. Missionaries do lose battles. Uh, it is possible. And they're not immediately sent home. <laughs> that's not uh, uh, it's not church policy but uh, we were able to still continually support those young men while they're on their mission and then lead them up right to right as they come home excellent when the guy gets home when, you, when these awesome warriors come home this is what I wish everybody would just be like no matter what, you're not a loser if you get back into programming. Come <laughs> right in as a general. Just get in right in as a general. You know, I wish personal experience with my return missionary son and so many other moms. I think we just think and hope and pray like for sure they're never going to have this problem again because they're return missionary and return missionaries totally understand how to be awesome and then have <laughs> super super spiritual experience and they've been so successful and so i remember when my son said i'm really struggling and i was shocked you know i was naive i didn't get it that of course this is going to be something that they are really going to be hit huge and very power like hard like a really big old punch in the gut when they get home it's like it comes back and can come back with a vengeance because the adversary, what's he going to do when you take the mantle away and all the structure away and all the ministering away and all the spirit away. And now here you are, you're going to be the man, but now it's all on you. And then all the way that they used to deal with, those feelings of what should I do? I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed, kind of don't know what to do with myself. Anyway. Yeah. I really love what you said about how the battle returns with a vengeance. That is not a sign that you are weak. That is a sign that you scare Satan and he's afraid of you. He is so angry at you for what you just did. You spent time devoting to building the kingdom of God. You were serving other people. And that's the exact opposite of what he wants. He tried so hard to stop you from doing that before your mission and even on your mission. And then you did it and you were successful. And then you return home. And then all of a sudden uh, you have less of that structure, less of that defense. It just makes so much sense why you're attacked so much right then. Imagine the plan he must have. Like, oh man, we are getting get this guy he thinks he's all that when he gets home we're gonna let him have it exactly it's it's annoying he's annoying that way um so what i really encourage young men to do is to go to group right when they come back usually they return home on a wednesday or a thursday 
go to group that even that next Thursday, get released and then go to group the next Thursday and then I, or start on that next week, depending on what day of the week their group was. And be sure to wear funny pants. <laughs> yeah. So actually what I did um, on my mission, my group changed location and day. So my group was on Tuesday at the other location. Uh, old the life-changing services old location and so I went I got home on a Wednesday and then I waited for next Tuesday and then I went to group on that day so I was in the wrong place at the wrong time because now I was a uh, down the street a little bit on a Thursday so I had no idea so I was called I just wanted to show up and say surprise I'm home you know um, but uh, that didn't work because I was completely wrong place wrong time uh, but I still felt like I was in the right place at the right time for me personally to be there and be able to own up to my victory um, that I was there. Right. It's like showing your inner commitment. Exactly. To yourself, to God, like I made a plan to do this and here I am. Yeah. And I, I something that was, I was prompted to do, or maybe I was told to do this by somebody, but to plan on going to group right after your mission because then I was if I was in the back of my mind throughout my whole mission this is why I'm winning this is why I'm winning so I can go back right there and win I had uh, the I had I knew that I would be attacked right when I got home because transitions are difficult for me um, so that's why I had that plan in place to really be there and then, and then so I was able to call and find out when the real group was and then I went in and uh, that was I was awesome. Just started going right away, helping out a group. And then that's how I got involved with being a personal warrior trainer. I tell people like I liked group and I like pizza and I was a general, so it was free. So that's why I went. That's part of the reason. But um, <laughs> I went really because I knew I needed to. Um, I couldn't afford not to go. So now that you've been involved as a post-missionary, and you're also assisting all these pre-missionary and post-missionaries. What, what are some of the, you're probably telling the pre-missionaries, guys, come back as a general, get right back in as a general, the guys you're with, but what are some of the things that you've seen that would support what this podcast is about with post-missionaries? What are some things you've noticed? So post-missionaries definitely recognize you do have a little bit of armor on you as you come home from your mission, but that slowly starts to deteriorate depending on what you do and what, what's happening as well. Um, so you need to keep that built up. That's why we have group. You can't live the same lifestyle you live on your mission because uh, you're interacting with other people um, who are not. You don't have that companion and all that stuff you, you can try certainly but it's very difficult so having that um, constant support as well from going to group and connecting with other people who have that ability um, and mine is you have two choices go when I am a, a general and it's free or wait till I lose and then go and then pay for it <laughs> so and feel so discouraged and bothered yeah yeah, so I, I know a missionary and he, he even described about having like a pseudo armor on, like an Iron Man armor. And he said he felt pieces fall off until all of a sudden he was attacked uh, viciously. And this young man had not been to any formalized training before his mission. So he didn't, he, he, he had 
he didn't know what to do at all. So he was very viciously attacked uh, by the enemy. And so really get that support, get that group uh, going, and also find a passion project, something that you can continue to devote your whole heart and soul to. That's what we've talked about a lot. Sure. Your mission yeah. Your mission is a passion project on a silver platter. You know what you're doing. You know why you're there. You have the support. You have the people. You're accomplishing miracles. You're connected to God. You love it. And it's just everything that compromises, that compiles into a passion project, just right there, handed to you. Just follow the system. Here you go. And then you come home, and then you have the new passion project of life. Yes. What school, career, job, path, what? marriage family where am i living all that stuff where am i gonna how am i gonna afford to do all this now i gotta now i gotta really figure this figure out what am i gonna do with the rest of my life and who where am i gonna live what am i gonna do yes <laughs> exactly um, yeah so it's it's crazy and i have seen missionaries just hit the ground running and know exactly what they're doing and i even had missionaries who are going home with me who I asked what they were planning on doing, and they're like, oh, I'm just going to take a month off. And I shuddered when he said that. Like, I, I just need a break. I'm like, a month off? You're going to be attacked. Like, I, I don't even know if you have my battle, but you're going to be attacked some way. <laughs> you yeah. know? You should be careful. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow. That's, uh, that, that's terrified me. So I think that's really what helped yeah. me to immediately dive into life and be active. So good. And isn't it, I mean, we learned so much it's a, in our Sons of Healing program about strategizing, predicting, prophesying, what's going to happen next, you know? We're good at that. And I think because we get in a, you know, kind of a, we're feeling awesome. We've been doing really well for a really long time. And, you know, to enter, to just know. I'm going to be attacked and my counter attack will be to have this plan because it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to be vulnerable in a place of transition. Exactly. Yeah. And I talk a lot about this. Um, I call it being distracted versus defended. When young men go on a trip or a vacation or a mission, they could either be distracted or defended. Um, oftentimes young men I talk to like pre-mission even they, they do not when they go on a family vacation for a week for the summer they don't really have a lost battle uh, or they have a lot easier time winning because they're distracted they're having fun they're doing something constantly but then when they get home they get slammed again because they weren't building up that defensive so that's why we encourage them to still have some structure in place for yourself of like reading your scriptures writing in your journal praying doing the other manpower goals in a modified fashion on your vacation. So that's why doing those on your mission really helps keep that consistency going. And then right as you come home, you have that plan, you have that structure along with the support of group. Uh, so then you're defended, not just distracted. Cause it's not really cool. A wife doesn't want that like, oh yeah, my husband hasn't been killed because the enemy just hasn't attacked him yet. You know, um, but he, he's had a battle. He knows what's, he knows how to win that. He's and, and he's actively, anxiously engaged in defending and preparing. Yeah, it's, it's such a mindset. It's such a change in our mindset. Like it's so proactive and awesome and cool and not shameful 
to get right back into group. I mean, just saying that feels like, are you sure? Do I mean, like, it sound that would feel really kind of like I'm ashamed of myself. I'm going right back to group. Mm -hmm. And I tried to get out of group so I could get on the mission. So why am I going right back to group? Like there needs to be a shift there. Some kind of a shift, a shift of, um, we know the enemy and we know how amazing we are and that we are a huge threat that we're coming back into this vulnerable territory where our enemy knows how vulnerable we are. And he's, he is angry. He is bothered that we have had this wonderful experience that has taught us that we love building the kingdom of God. In the beginning of the war chapters of the Book of Mormon, uh, after the first few skirmishes, the Lamanites went back and retreated, I think for a period of time, and the Nephites went back and retreated. The difference there was the Nephites, Captain Moroni didn't say, okay, we're done. We won that battle. It's a break. Let's just wait for them to attack next and we'll, we'll respond then. I'll go back to group then. They actively took time to prepare all their strongholds. They made their weak places strong. So when the Lamanites came to attack them, they were scared. They didn't want to attack that old weak city because that was a huge stronghold. And they did that on their time off. So yeah. I use that. That's a wonderful example that Captain Moroni taught us. Yeah, that's so awesome. Okay, so Adam, thank you so much for your time. But one of the things I just really want to make sure that we end with is just the understanding of, you know, how that statement of it's not a destination we're trying to reach here. I think we really get mixed up thinking as I know as a mother, boy, did I ever think the destination, we're on a mission. Yes, that's the best. <laughs> Now we're going to be awesome. He's going to come <laughs> home and fall in love and never lose another battle and get married. It's going to be the best ever. <laughs> it's going to be great. And so when we realize it's not a destination, we really are on a journey. And it's not about getting to a destination. Like, really, I think we're not all to the destination until we're safely dead. And then we have more <laughs> things to do. <laughs> Here, especially where we're vulnerable, no matter what our battle is, but specifically since we're talking about this battle, we really have to have an awareness that it's not a destination. We are always going to have to be vigilant. What would you say about, about what you've noticed there? Is that really true? Are there some guys that are like, oh yeah, the destination is real? Yeah. Well, I haven't met anyone who's won and then stopped protecting themselves and then hasn't lost ever since. Um, but the fight is ever going, the losing doesn't have to be. That expression, once an addict, always an addict, doesn't have to be true. Just realize, once an enemy to Satan, always an enemy to Satan. You can have an enemy, but you don't have to lose. You can keep winning, you can keep being prepared, allying yourself with forces stronger than your own to continually winning be winning those battles excellent ah and if we were to just say are together answering yeah. the q1 why are you fighting and why don't you just give up 
Adam, why, with all your experience, would you be fighting to protect another young man from the things that you've seen post-missionaries go through? I fight because my heart aches at the thought of a warrior who gives up. I've seen it very closely, very intimately, and I, it breaks my heart. So I want to encourage the warriors to not give up because they have so much divine potential. And if they live this mortal life believing that they are weak or broken, then there's no chance that they will be able to rise up and fulfill their full potential. So if they once they realize how awesome they are, then they will continue to be able to fight. And I fight because I have started to realize my potential. I am a father. I am a husband. I'm a warrior. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. The adversary is bound in my home. Do not allow him to attack my family. And I just do not give up. That's why I fight. Thanks, Adam. So much. Thank you for your time, Karen. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Sexual self-mastery in our day can be extra challenging. All of our families know someone tangled in the trap of pornography. We invite you to join thousands of youth and adults who have found hope and healing through the gospel-centered, faith-affirming programs for youth and adults offered through Life-Changing Services. Go to Life-Changing Services to get on the road to freedom and recovery.